So I'm going to read an article from the money, I'm sorry, from the market watch and it's from marketwatch.com. And the article states, I am 57 and my new husband is 80. I'm not on the deed of his house. Instead, he gives me a credit card with a thousand spending limit. So here's the article. I love him dearly, but the fact that he is not keeping his promise is really making me question if he truly cares for me. So I'm going to read the article and then I'll chime in. You know, give my two cents. I am writing you in this in desperation. I have no regular income weekly or monthly. Okay. I recently married my second husband. He has three adult children from his first marriage and two from his second marriage, one of whom is intellectually disabled and lives with us. So she's 57 and her husband is 80 and they have a disabled adult living with them. Even though her mother is officially has co-custody of her, which is the adult child, uh, apparently they're the ones that's taking care of the child, the uh, child with uh, the disability, the adult that's living with her and her husband. She and her sister will inherit a large sum of his life insurance, and this is the, her husband's um, kids, when he passes. And I know nothing about what the children from the first marriage are willed. I know nothing about his finances or his will. I asked to be listed on his bank account, and he refused. I asked for a credit card, and he gave me one with a thousand monthly spending limit. <laughs> He gives me a little money when he feels like it. So on top of the $1,000 credit card that you get, which I think for a spending limit, I don't, I don't think that's bad. He gives me a little money when he feels like it, 100 or so, and no more than 200 So I'm assuming that on top of the credit card, which, which has a $1,000 spending limit, he gives her 100 or 200 sometimes. We bought a house that he calls ours, and let me pick out the... And let me pick out, you know, and let me pick it out. I guess they bought a second home for them together. And she had, you know, she, she had, he let her, he allowed her to pick the house that she liked before we were married. He promised that as soon as we were married, he would put my name on the deed and said he would change his will. So, <laughs> so in their courtship, when they were dating, before they were married, the house was promised that he was going to get her a house and put her name on it. Um, and apparently, they're married now and uh, he didn't, you know, he didn't follow through on what he promised her. Basically, that's what she's saying. And I guess he was supposed to put her in a will too. So a part of the stipulate, a part of the, the agreement... Um, before she married him, because 57 and 80, I mean, even though she's old enough um, and he's 80, he's probably on his, well, God forbid that she don't croak before he does. Um, not, it, it could happen that way. The agreement was that they, you know, he would, I guess from the way she's saying that he has a little, he has some money. So he promised to buy a house for her, for the both of them together, separate from what he already has. 
And then he also promised that he would put her on the wheel. So let's see where we're going with this, where she's going. <laughs> it's all, it sounds to me like her intentions of marrying him was just more than, it, you know, really didn't have anything to do with love. But let's just go see what she's saying. I don't want to be in a battle with his kids. If he passes first, I am 57 and he's 80. And according to the laws of nature, he will most likely go first. Oh, really? See now, <laughs> so she's saying that he's going to die before her. Okay. I love him dearly, but the fact that he is not keeping his promises is really making me question if he truly cares for me and knows how worried I am about these matters. Can you tell me how to handle this and what legal options are and should be concerning our finances. So now we're going to have the money watch the guy that, and you know, he's going to address the issue. So he goes, dear new wife, rather than rely on your husband's for your husband for pocket money, <laughs> I suggest you get a job. Even if, even if it is a part-time job, it will make you feel more independent. Absolutely. I agree to that. Open up your, open up, it will make you feel independent, open up your world and give you a sense of purpose outside both of yourself and your marriage. It will also help you ally some of your frustration about what your husband decides to give you as an allowance every month. The law varies depending on whether you live in a equi equitable distribution, distribution or community property state and the extent to which a spouse can or cannot be disinherited. However, if your husband bought the house before you were married, it's separate property. That could very likely be why he decided to purchase it prior to your marriage. Wow. So he didn't wait until, I mean, they were courting dating and he, you know, he said he would buy a house. But he did it before they were married. Um, and therefore, he didn't put her deed. So he, his intention, he, he had no intention of, 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 of giving her, buying a house with her name on it. Because he could have done it while he could have waited. Being that they, they already had a house, he could have waited until they were married before and then put her name on the deed. So here we go. Your husband does not sound like a man who has no will, especially given that he will need to make provision for his child who needs long-term care. In the event that he did die without a will, your share would depend on what state you live in. In New York, for example, you would inherit the first 50,000 50, and half of your husband's estate if he died without a will. About those bank accounts, a surviving spouse is not generally allowed to take a spousal election from non-marital property notable property that was acquired prior to marriage. According to the law, the law firm, Meyer and Spence, this kind of separate property can be transformed into marital property by mixing it with marital property. For example, in a joint account, right? That's correct. You are seeing this form, you're seeing this from your perspective, but there's also more than one um, um, vintage point. If you are questioning whether your husband truly loves you because he has not changed the title, the title deed on your home, please allow him the same unpleasant doubts about his new wife 
given your given your multiple requests regarding deed and your unhappiness over your credit card limit. Let's we forget it's difficult to find a job at any age. Damn right. But studies show that it's particularly hard for women over 50. Ageism is a pandemic in the workplace. And it is the rest and it is the rest of society. And 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 in the rest of society. So basically he's saying that women 50, it's not even 50, I think could be 45. It could start at 45. Ageism. Whereas we age out, I hear it starts at even 35. Jobs, once you hit 35, they don't really, corporate really don't want to hire. They're going after younger people. And especially if you're married with kids, they're worried about calling out and um, kids sick and half a days and school out. So they tend to go in after younger people. But here he's saying ageism starts 50 and over, which is correct. But I heard that it goes as young as 35. So, yes, it is hard for women um, at that age. It doesn't matter if you have a degree um, or degrees. It's just hard. They don't want to hire, you know, they don't want to hire us. I'm 49. I'm going to be 50 next year. So I can tell you it's definitely hard. Um, I started my business around 35. Um, and I've been going to school, taking classes. And, um, to this day, um, I'm still, it's still a struggle to find work outside the home because I work, you know, my, my, my job, I work from home with my business. So it's a struggle. It's hard. So he's right when he's saying 50, it's hard for women 50 and over to find work. So I said, he says, um, by suggesting you seek out employment, I don't want to in any way undermine the challenge of undertaking such a task and to f- and and or finding one that is rewarding. So that's how he addressed her and uh, talk about this. I'm going to talk about two things here. One thing, this is her second marriage and she's already 57 and she's not financially grounded. So I spoke about um, there's two types of women. You have one homemaker that stays in the home and takes care of the home and like that. And then you have the other that corporate driven, meaning they works outside of the home. They're more about the money. They're not going to be in the home um, cooking and cleaning and taking care of kids. And then you have the ones that want to be in the home cooking and taking care of kids. They're not, you know, they don't have any interest of working in corporate. This is her second marriage and she's 57. I'm, I'm thinking that she's more of a homemaker the homemaker kind. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. Okay. Um, and again, let me say this. There's two types of women. They're the ones that like to be in the home, taking care of the home. And you have the one that likes to be in corporate. So, uh, the ones that are in the home, they tend to get into relationships or marry men that are more financially secure and can take care of them. But you're not always, you're not always going to find, let me just say this to women, you can't set yourself up that way. You still need to be sufficient, self-sufficient in some way, whereas even if you do get involved with someone that's going to financially take care of you, if that person, if something should happen to that person and you're not, like she's saying, she's not in his will and um, she doesn't know what's going on with the finance, then you're going to be left out in the cold and, and, and could end up being homeless. If, um, if you don't have something to fall back on. So she was married before 
and I'm, I'm assuming she didn't get anything from that marriage. This is her second marriage, and she's, I, I, I think she's worried now, she's 57, that um, she loves him dearly. Even though I'm questioning, you know, like I said, uh, why did she marry him at 57 and 80? Did she marry him because she states that according to the laws of nature that he will kick the bucket before her? <laughs> He's going to die before her. That's the funniest shit. Why would she even say something like that? So that's leading me to believe that after her first marriage ended, she needed to get into a, a, a relationship where the, the person is financially well off. So she married this, this man who's 80 and she's 57. Now, again, she's old enough. And, you know, I wouldn't say she's that young where she couldn't marry somebody that's 80. But her focus seems to be on, his, on the money. <laughs> so the number one mistake, you know, is not a lot of women make. And we do make it. Is that we get into relationships. And I, I spoke about the 50-50 plan that I don't believe in it. And I still don't believe in it. You bring 50 and he brings 50. And then when the divorce ends, most of the time, the women are the one that end up being um, poor. Because if you go in with no kids and then you're leaving with kids, especially young kids that you have to take care of, you're shouldering more financial burden than the man. So, and especially when you go in and you don't set aside money or have a plan for yourself um, that you're going to save and set aside money or, or invest in things that could generate money. So therefore, if the marriage should end, you're not, you know, suffering financially. So this sounds to me like, you know, this, this, this is what has happened to her. I would have loved to have hear how long she was married before, but it seemed like her first marriage, she didn't get anything from it. So at 57, she's worried about her future. Um, and, um, and her stability financial wise. That's the first problem. And like <clears throat> the guy said, uh, it's going to be hard for her to find a job. Yes, it will be hard for her to find a job at 57. Probably next to impossible. The second thing is I'm going to talk. So that's her, her fault, her, her fault, the fault that I find with her. What I, the fault that I, what I find with him, the husband, that's 80. He's already at the end of his term. You know, because it's 75 is the human lifespan. So he's already, you know, God bless him that, you know, he's 80 and he's probably kicking and strong. And he has a daughter that ha that's intellectually challenged. So she has some mental problems. And he at 80 has to take because I guess the wife must have left, took, you know, had custody, but left him with the um, adult child, which I think is so unfair if the if the mother is still available, but I don't know the situation. Maybe he that's he maybe he wanted to raise the child, or maybe because he was financially well off, he took the child. Here's the thing, my thing. I'm wondering why did he marry a 57 year old? I'm thinking that he he he's looking for someone to, if something should happen to him, to be responsible for his um, adult child with the disability. Um. So his motive for marrying her might be that. So he's not giving her, putting her on the deed. At, you know, he's giving her allowance. I think what he's giving her a monthly allowance of $1,000. I think it's fair. Because we're talking, you know, if she, what is she going to buy anyway? If she gets $1,000 a month to do whatever she wants to do, I think that's fair. I mean, what more does she want? What I would have done, what, what, what I would do with that $1,000 monthly allowance. Well, it's a credit card, so she can't really... <laughs> She could draw cash off of it and then go and invest that. Go buy some stocks. That's what I would do. Trying to see if she could invest a little 200 or 300 
I would take that cash off of it a month time, three or four, even half of it. I wouldn't use all of it and um, invest it. See, she could get something, some kind of return on that. Um, because it's because it's a credit card, she really can't. She could buy things, but she can't say. It's not like she could save anything. And then he gives her some extra cash. So there's something kind of weird here with the husband. Um, how uh, he was courting her and he promised her all these things, and then he's not. So, woman, you have to be careful when you're getting involved with these men, even though they're financially off. Um, you can't just assume that when you're married to them that they're going to turn over their finances to or share their finances with you. That's what they should do, an honest person with integrity, promising you, you know, if we get into a relationship, um, you don't have to worry about anything financially. And then when you get in it, they, they don't do anything. So you have to be careful of that. So again, I think his, mo- his motive for getting involved with her Long term, he's looking for somebody that's gonna be um, that's gonna have to to if something should happen to him, help take care of, and she's gonna inherit that. So you know what I think is gonna happen? That house that he's that they're in. I bet you there's a will somewhere around there that states that if anything should happen to me, in order for her to get the house, the wife, and stay in the house, the adult child has to stay in the house as well, and she has to be the caretaker of that adult child. I could guarantee you and tell you that's probably what is going down. That's what he's going to do. Um, so his motive for marrying her for was basically looking for a nanny for his, um, you know, a caregiver for his child. And her motive for getting involved with him was for financial security because she's 57. So um, I remember I said that um, people might change or look like they, they change or might say that they're changing. But one thing that don't change, and that's motive. Motive never change. Intentions never change. People can, you can't see people's motives and, and intention. They could tell you, oh, yes, I'm not going to do that anymore. I won't do that anymore. But when it comes, when the time is right, you will. And you always see their um, true intentions or true motive for doing things. So I feel like, again, his motive, he, has, he had a motive for um, getting involved with her, marrying her. And she had a motive. Her motive was she was looking for financial security. And his motive, being that he's already financially well off, was probably looking for a caretaker for his adult child. And that's it.